Welcome to The Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today, we are excited to be joined by Maddie Brown. Maddie is a CPA and CEO of Smashing Numbers, which is an accounting, payroll, tax, and consulting firm in Bronson, Iowa. Maddie focuses on providing strategic financial guidance to small firms. And Bela, this is great because we'll talk a little bit about accounting and, and kind of what she's doing in that world and what she's doing is fantastic. But I think people are going to love her story about how she late in her career took a risk, bought a, a local accounting firm um, and had this vision of helping a real underserved market of entrepreneurs that needed strategic guidance. And she's grown this from a, you know, a, a smallish town in, in Iowa. And now she has clients coast to coast kind of leveraging the power of social media and the internet to connect with this really clear focus uh, target market that she's focusing on. Um, and really transformed, I would, sounds like transformed her life um, in the second half of her career to really have a lot of meaning. So a great story, I think, Bela. Let's get to it. Hello, listeners. Today I'm here with Maddie Brown. Uh, she runs a company that helps entrepreneurs and small business owners uh, figure out the numbers that are actually going on in their business. And an often ignored, but a awful, awfully, awfully important aspect of knowing what's going on in your business and knowing where the dollars are going to. So welcome to the show, Maddie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. So let me ask you a question. If you are at a social event and you get introduced to someone and uh, they ask you, oh, Maddie, not so nice to meet you. Can you tell me what you do? How do you answer that question? I say we work with small businesses in the U.S. to help them make and keep more money. And when they do that, they're more profitable, they're happier, and they live the lives that they dream of, which is what they went into business for, was to live a life of freedom and peace. And a lot of people find that wreck with stress and worry and we help alleviate that stress and worry oh very nice very nice so uh how did you get into this uh this business maddie well you know it's interesting i i passed the cpa exam in 1981 so that puts me at at right at 40 years of being a certified public accountant um i also worked for the government for about 20 years and so I've spent most of my life assisting small business owners to stay in compliance with the tax laws that they need to be aware of and pay attention to. And I love being of service to small businesses that are, that are maybe not getting the kind of service that they need to get from their CPA and from their accountant. And so we're a little on the unusual side because we focus on consulting and helping people understand and make good business decisions. And most, I have a lot of my people that come to me 
will start out saying that they see their CPA once a year when they get their taxes done and that's all they get. Well, that isn't going to help them run their business. That isn't going to help them decide how to invest and what to focus on. And your CPA should be a a tool in your toolkit to help you be a better business person and make more money. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I talk to so many people that are that are underserved, and my mission is to get help to those small businesses so that they don't struggle and stress. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's very refreshing because I think you're absolutely right. Most people think of their accountant or their CPA as a person that's focused on compliance, to making sure I'm not breaking any tax rules, to make sure I'm paying all my taxes, you know, I'm, I'm abiding by all the laws and regulations that are often very complex in this country. Yes. Uh, and that's their main focus. And, 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 and that's very important. But at the same time, a good CPA can really help you understand where every dollar in your business goes to. And, and in order to, to manage your business, you have to understand that. Otherwise, you're fundamentally managing blind. Yes. So when you, uh, when you engage with someone, uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing where, where people are really struggling with? What are some of the biggest challenges you see that small business owners have? Well, one of the one of the biggest struggles that small business owners have are um, cash flow. You know, people people are on a pattern of up and down and up and down, and they don't have a sustainable, viable business model to keep income coming in on a regular recurring basis. And so you need that income to be stabilized. And it's not hard to do. It just takes a little creativity, which most of the time, if you show up at your accountant's office on March 31st, you're not going to get that creativity that needs to be in place to help you. And most CPAs just don't focus on that. And I really think that that if you're creative, you can you can have the life that you really want and the life that you really dream of. And that's usually why people went into business for themselves. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I'm glad you focused on, on cash flow here uh, because it, it – I've always thought that that was probably the most important aspect, uh, particularly of a small business. And oftentimes people get focused on the P&L statement or the balance sheet, and it's really cash flow. You know, it's like your personal checking account at home. <laughs> you got to keep the balance above zero, <laughs> otherwise you're in trouble. And it's amazing to me um, how many people uh, don't follow that rule. So what are things that you do with your clients to help them sort of get their arms around their cash flow? Well, the first thing that I like to do with clients is really understand their goals and intentions and what they want their life to look like because you need to create a business model that reflects how you want to live your life and how you want to do business. And 
So that's where I start first is what do you want? What do you want your business to look like? How many hours a week do you want to work? Who do you want to work with? What do you want your life on a day-to-day basis to be like? Now, most accountants do not start at that place. But that is, that is the most important place because it dictates every decision you make in managing your business. If you want to work three days a week, you're going to structure your business differently than if you want to work five days a week. If you want to work with 20 people or one person, you're going to structure your business differently. So what you want and how you want it to be are the fundamental basis of the starting point, okay? And I get a lot of really surprised people when I start talking to them about what they want and how they want their life to be because they want to talk about how to make $100,000 a year. Well, I don't know that $100,000 a year is the right number, and, and I don't know what they're going to have to do in order to get that. So you've really got to be clear on what you want because there's, there's McDonald's and then there's Ruth Chris Steakhouse. They both serve a meal. Okay, McDonald's serves a meal to the masses for a lower price set. Ruth Chris Steakhouse serves a very different kind of meal. So which do you want to be in the world? There's nothing wrong inherently with either one of them. Okay, they're both very profitable. They're both making money. But what what business do you want to be in? And I personally would rather work with 10 clients at $100 a month than one client at $1,000 a month. And that is a strategic plan on my part because I really want to see uh, there's 12 million women-owned businesses in the United States, and 88% of them are generating less than $100,000 a year. Wow. Now, and of that 88%, almost 50% are generating less than 50000 That's a whole lot of people that need a whole lot of help. Yeah. That sounds like and a whole, want, whole lot of people who have a hobby, not a business. Yes, there's a lot of people <laughs> that have a hobby. They have what I call an imaginary business, Okay. But they want it to be more, and they don't know how to make it more. And that's what we do is help them see how to make it be what they want it to be based upon how they want their lives to be. Yes, and, and, and one of the tools you use for this is making sure they have a thorough understanding of their financials. Absolutely. Right. And you've, you've got to know – your accountant needs to be aware of your past, which is think that's where your bookkeeping comes in, what has happened in the past. They need to understand the future of what you want to be and where you want to go, and then you need to manage the present so that you are effectively moving towards your goals in your decision making. Yes. Yes. So, you know, as you're saying this, uh, Maddie, it really gets me to think about this notion that what you're describing 
as this as as the services you provide and and the need that you see out there is much more than your your typical CPA even thinks about. I think you said that early on, right? You're much more of a strategic financial consultant from from the point of view of thinking about strategy and and how it relates to finances and making sure you have a good understanding of those two things. And and we do bookkeeping and we do taxes and that those are the tools that we use in order to counsel from an educated standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Maddie, let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. So you, you said you worked, uh, you know, for the government for a while, et cetera. So what made you decide to you know, hang up your own shingle, so to speak, and, and start you your know, own business? I had wanted to have my own business since the mid-80s. And I had a lot of stories that I told myself about why I couldn't do that. I worked in public accounting for 12 years, and then I worked at the Iowa Department of Revenue. And I found myself routinely saying that when I turned 55, I was going to open my own practice and I was going to get out of government. And then when I turned 50, it all of a sudden hit me and I said, you know, what am I waiting for? And I left a government job before my pension was ready to be met. And I bought a small practice near me. And I can honestly say that I love what I do, and it makes a difference in people's lives. And I've developed the practice to be of service to this group of people because they are who I want to help. We have a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs and online businesses, a lot of sole proprietorships, small businesses that really need the help. And that's, that's my target. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of people I, I've talked to in my life who, who dream about having their own business, right? Just like you are, are, are working uh, in a big company or a medium-sized company, whatever, and they, and they dream, okay, when I get to this point, I'm going to start my own business. Or, you know, then that point comes and go, well, not right now, maybe in five more years. What was the trigger that made you at the age 50 of actually doing it, actually saying, okay, I'm, I'm resigning from my my job, and I'm actually going to do this entrepreneurial uh, adventure for myself. Well, it's interesting because I talked to the seller of this practice in 2009, and I decided I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk away from my government job. I, 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 I declined to make the purchase. And six months later, I was at lunch with a friend of mine, and I'm still talking about this practice. And it's like, if you've got a recurring theme going on, it's time to pay attention to it. And I started looking at it, and I started from the premise of what if I did this. And a very good friend of mine asked me, would I regret it if I didn't do it? And that really was the turning point, okay? Because I, I realized that if I didn't follow the lead, if I didn't take the opportunity, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. Yeah. 
So was there was there something in particular about this specific business that said this is the one I want to acquire? This is this is the one that I want to run? Or did you think um, about, you know, starting your own, starting from a blank sheet of paper? It's much I had thought about starting my own. And if you have a, at least a baseline of clients that supports you through the year, then you can guide and you can make changes and you can over the last 10 years we've we've shifted a lot of our client base but it was really um made you feel more secure and safer to have that base in place so that you didn't have to recreate the wheel yeah yeah good because lots of times people don't think about that so i think what you did was very wise you know lots of times people do not think about Jeepers, you know, here's what I want to start. And, and, and by, by acquiring another business, you also have one less competitor to deal with. <laughs> right. So, yep. so you're helping yourself in, in, in more than one way. And, and you, you can sort of hit the ground running and, and you can reshape it. It doesn't need to be ideal. It doesn't need to be exactly what you want, but it sort of yep. gives you the opportunity to sort of not have to worry about okay, what phone system am I going to have? Not having to worry about buying furniture for the office, not having to worry about all those things you have to do to start a business and spend a lot of money on that do not increase the value of your business one iota on day one, right? The, yep. the, the office furniture and the phone system and the computers and you know the lease on the building, et cetera, none of that <laughs> makes your business any valuable. It's the clients yeah. that make the business valuable. Yeah, it 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 is an interesting dilemma. I usually talk about restaurants. I say, you know, you have to have tables and chairs and employees and menus and stoves and silverware and hundreds of things that you have to have before you ever make a meal. And people think in this day and age that they can just bootstrap a business and not make any investment. And if there's one thing that I see that is a real detriment, if you are thinking of going into business, then this is the most important time to have a real sustainable business model that is going to support you in the life that you want to live. And I hate it when someone comes to me and tells me they've spent their entire retirement fund to start a new business and it's too late to resuscitate the patient at that point whereas if you spend some time up front planning and making sure that you have a viable plan before you spend the money then you can make smart choices yeah yeah excellent advice so uh, when you engage with a with a client, let's say I came to you, I have a you know a business that's doing two million dollars a year in annual sales, and you know maybe I have po relatively positive cash flow, or you know uh, on average over a year it's positive. Let's say not, and there's some months where it is greatly positive, and other months it's not. So it's some some cycle to the business. Uh, what are what are type of what are things that that you would help me look at? What are things that you would help me sort of? You'd say, okay, look, Bela, 
here's the place where we're going to look at this thing first, and we're going to try to figure this out first. What would that be? Well, the first thing I, I'm going to go backwards in our conversation. I'm going to the first thing I need to know is what your goals are. Yeah. What you what I mean? What is the intention? What is the purpose? Yeah. Let's what say let's goals? say I want to in the next in the next uh, four years I want to double sales. Why? Right. Because. My next question is going to be why. Okay, a great question. And that's a really important question a lot of people don't ask. So I would say because if I can get this business to 4 or $5 million in annual sales, then I can sell it. Then I know there's a market for my business. And my ultimate goal is to exit from this business in, you know, five to five to six years. Okay, so what can you do now to move the needle? Well, this is where you come in. <laughs> uh, well, so I could I can hire more salespeople, right? That that that'd be mm-hmm. one. I could expand my geographic territory. Uh, I could uh, I could introduce another product line. Um, you know, I could. What are you? What am I making? So, so my my question is always going to come back to why. Yeah. And what you want it for, and and you have to think about if you spend some time in fantasy land dreaming out your entire day. What time do you get up in the morning? Do you drink coffee? Do you drink orange juice? Do you make eggs? Do you get up at 10? Do you get up at six? And you outline a perfect day, an ideal day, and then make your business fit within that day. And that is the most fundamental thing you can do to be happy. Because I know people that are making $50,000 a year that have financial freedom. And I know people making a million dollars a year that don't have financial freedom. And it's a question of priorities and decisions and choices. And I tell people that the problems don't go away by making a million dollars or $2 million dollars. They just get amplified. They just add zeros to the numbers. And when they add zeros to the numbers, it's even more stressful because now instead of $1,000, we're talking about $10,000. But the, the issue, the core issues and what you want have to be first and foremost in the world. Okay. Okay. So I want to sell this business in, in four, to, four to six years, right? And I know in order to sell it, to have a market for the business, I need to double its sales. Mm-hmm. Right? So those, those are my goals. Right? Okay. Those are my goals. So there's only two. Are you there? Yep, I'm still here. Oh, my, my screen just went blank. Oh, it just yep. scared me. Nope. Okay. There's only, there's only two ways to generate revenue in this world. And that is to A, raise prices, or B, sell more of what you're selling. So the first step that I would say is if we want to make a million dollars, we want another $83,333 a month. And in order to make $83,333 a month, we need to make, let's just do easy math, we need to make 20000 a week. What are we going to do? How are we going to make 20000 a week? How, are we going to work 80, 100 hours? Are we going to work 
30 hours. Who are you going to work with? Who are you going to talk to? What are you going to do in your business to generate that $20,000 a week? Is it doable? Is it achievable? Can you structure a business that meets that goal? Excellent. Excellent. So one of the things that, uh, that I'm concluding here in our conversation is, is that you're, you take a very sort of pragmatic approach and you really drill down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, just the questions you asked me, right? Okay, so if we gotta, we got to increase sales by a million, that means so much a month. Well, that means so much a week. Well, how are we going to do that? What are we going to do? Are we going to work more hours, right? So it's this, it's this real sort of drilling down to the, to the core basic concepts of, of, of the business. And if, and if we're going to do that, does that mean we need to keep the restaurant open more hours or do we need to open another location or whatever the business is, right? So mm-hmm. I think oftentimes that's very helpful for a third party to help us sort through those questions because as the entrepreneur, we're sometimes uh, uh, blinded by sort of what's going on in our life, right? We're dealing with other issues and we're having yep. challenges and sort of really getting to the basic things. Uh, so that- there's a shiny object syndrome. Yes. People, 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 people see shiny objects and they get distracted and, and they lose perspective of their vision. And I, we have to deal with the past and what happened in the past. But that vision for the future, there's nothing more important than that. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Hey, Maddie, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you taking time to be on, a guest on the show today. And Thank I will you say, for having I, me. yeah, sure. And I will say, I looked at your website, and Miller, there's a lot of great information on your website, and it's smashingnumbers.com. Correct. And it's a great place for people to go to sort of get a lot of uh, good information. I think you have a newsletter that people can sign up for, et cetera. So I will make sure, a- make sure that information's in the show notes for folks. Uh, but I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. That's okay. I have, a, I have a 25 tips that I recommend people download for just basic overview of things you need to have to be financially fit in your business. Yeah, that's great. And remind me, Maddie, where you are geographically? Um, We are in Northwest Iowa, but we have clients from New York to California to Florida. We are are primarily a virtual business. We work with clients all over the United States. And a lot of our clients are coaches or entrepreneurs or, or writers, authors, speakers, people creative that that really want to not have an imaginary business anymore. They want to have a real live business. Yeah, that's great. Like a grown-up. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, again, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you. Bela, I really like Maddie's approach to all things financial. Uh, there's definitely a difference between having kind of a transactional accounting firm that's just taking care of the bookkeeping um, and that can be great if that's what you want and need versus somebody that is strategic and is really helping you set goals uh, and align your financial plans with the goals that you have for your business and your life. Fantastic, huge need there. But what was really cool and I want to talk with you about is that she saw this need. She saw this unmet niche 
in the world of financial services. And in her 50s, she left a really secure government job and uh, and took a big risk and started this business and grew it. What's your take? What's the secret sauce here? And what are the takeaways for people who are kind of later in life thinking about doing something entrepreneurial? Yeah, you know, we she's there's there's been several people we have spoken to who have uh, done later in life changes. Uh, so you know, not not fresh out of high school or not fresh out of uh, college. Uh, we we've had several of those as well, and and they're great successes. And and that's what oftentimes people think about entrepreneurs being. They think about you know twenty somethings kind of blazing off on their own and doing things. And and that's a great time to do it. And my hats off to those people. Um, and I think there's there's a, there's another group of folks who are sort of uh, their entrepreneurial genes mature later in life, right? They go out, they get some work experience. Um, they see better ways of doing things. Um, they get sort of more motivation. They're at a different point in their life where they can take some more risk. And, and they do that. And, and, and Maddie's one of those stories where she spent a fair number of years working, you know, in, in government. Um, and uh, she, she finally said, you know what, I, I want to do something different. And she had an opportunity to do that. And I think the other related thing here, Mike, is is I'd like to get your opinion on is this notion of uh, buying an existing business as opposed to starting fresh and brand new. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I love it. And, you know, we've talked to several guests about franchising, right? And how franchising is one way to reduce some of the risk of being an entrepreneur because you're kind of buying into the system, but you're giving up some of your creativity, right? But it kind of lets you hit the ground running. I think Maddie's strategy is another mechanism that has a lot of benefits without a lot of the trade-offs from a franchise. And especially if you're in the professional services side like she is, by buying an existing business, you've got cash flow right away. You've got customers. The hardest thing for a new business to do, I think, is to get traction, is to get enough customers in to, to pay the rent right, and to pay the bills um, until you can, the lines can cross, right? And you can, you can have more revenues than costs. So to me, the idea of spending some money up front on an existing business, even if it's not the business of your dreams, but it's a business that's up and running and functional and mature. Now you've got a base, right? And you don't have to worry about paying the bills right off the bat because you've got clients. Now you have to keep some of those clients or enough of those clients to keep it going. But now you have a working Um, a working machine essentially that you can grow from and you can change slowly right and 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 the service i'll bet you she still has some of her those initial clients that came with her if she's doing a good job and then she grew the business right so i think it's a great strategy and it's similar to franchising in that you're buying something that's that's proven you're buying something that's running and you're buying something that more importantly has cash flow on day one that's what I think, Bela. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think buying an existing business is a great way to go. Uh, it, it gives you sort of the, the, the foundation and the base that then you can expand from and grow from. And, and Maddie has done a great job at that, right? If you think about most sort of accounting firms, they tend to be very regional, right? They, they tend to have customers you know, within an hour or two drive from where they're physically or geographically located. And, and, and Maddie has taken advantage of the internet and social media 
and technology and has had the ability to sort of expand her base uh, all across the United States, uh, which I think, you know, has turned out really, really well for her. And it sort of differentiates her uh, from from all the other firms. And and I think that's another sort of uh, really shines on on Maddie's entrepreneurial skills that he, he she thought much broader than, OK, you know, I, I'm going to look at clients that are with I'm going to find more clients within an hour's drive. She, she took the hours drive constraint off of her business and she said, I'm just going to find more clients because then it also think about it this way. It allows you to even specialize more, right? It allows you to be laser focused in helping people because you're developing a larger portfolio of organizations and companies um, that, that are of a certain size, a certain character. And remember, one of the great things about being in a business like this is you get to look at how 50 different companies do the same thing. And then you can take that information that you garner from that and you can help another 50 companies do things really, really well by sort of within confidentiality issues, of course, but, you know, kind of help people in that way. And that's one of the beauties because you get to see a lot of clients and you can sort of pick, hey, this company does this really, really well. And, and there's nothing really proprietary about that. And I can help this company over here improve their performance by, by helping them in a similar way. So I think that's the beauty of what she's done. Yeah, and she's so mission-driven. And she's really focusing on these almost micro-businesses, right? These smaller businesses. Women-owned women is an important factor for her, she mentioned. And I think that's really huge to reach out to a group of underserved, I think, entrepreneurs. And, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money from each client when they're this small, right? You're, you're billing on hours. They don't have a ton of revenue a lot of times. So, you know, if you're just limiting yourself to an hour or two, there's actually not that many of those to help. By going national, she can really uh, focus on these clients and get enough that she can have the scale that she needs to have a sustainable business. Um, and then the other thing is, is that, you know, if there's two, you know, two similar businesses in the same town, they might be a little bit reluctant. But now she's got one in her town, but the other's in California and the other's in New York, and they're not competing, right, in any way, shape, or form. So that also builds trust. So I think what she's done, again, I, don't, I haven't talked to any of her clients, but it sounds like she's really great at building trust um, and, and getting people um, to trust in her that she's giving them good guidance on the strategies that they're, they need to take in order to be successful. And, you know, you could just hear how satisfied she was with the work that she's doing, that she's really helping people achieve their dreams, and that makes her feel good. And yeah, she couldn't have done it, I think, without the internet, right, to get the reach that she needed to have a business that focuses on these kind of very small, very small businesses. You know, there's one more, one more thing I want to touch on, Mike, and, and, and that is this, this strategic nature of what a good CPA uh, can help you with. And, and oftentimes when people think about accounting firms or CPAs, they, they, they just want to make sure, you know, the numbers add up. They want to make sure that I'm not violating any tax laws. You know, and I've heard people say, you know, the main job of my CPA is to keep me out of prison <laughs> to make sure I don't I don't inadvertently, you know, do something that's against the law financially. Uh, and, and that is an important thing. Um, but at the same time, if if you listen to Maddie, she really talks about helping clients strategically, helping them understand where where their money goes. And and, and I've seen this happen in companies where where they, they change accounting firms or they have, a, they have an accountant inside, you know, an internal person who's doing that, 
And then they hire a CFO or a chief financial officer who has a vast experience in sort of understanding how to, how to manage money and, and categorizing it in such a way that you can follow that dollar that, of revenue that comes in through the company and where you're spending it. And oftentimes it opens your eyes to say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize we're spending that much money on X, right? And, and it gives you, going back to an earlier conversation we had in a previous podcast about KPIs and sort of what you measure and, and, and how you measure them and the categories you put them in is really important. And so I think, you know, the other message here is that whether, whether you do this internally or whether you have an outside firm you go to, think about them, not just in terms of making sure the numbers add up at the, at, at, at the, at the end of every month and at the end of the year and getting your income tax returns done, but also think about them from a, how can they provide you strategic insight into your business and, and, and how you're performing financially. Yeah. And you have to ask for this. Like you have to go to your CPA and say, Hey, is there a good time when you've got a little bit of spare time that's not in tax season that we can have a strategic conversation about my business and maybe what I could be doing differently or better and to achieve the goals that I want? And I think if you if you asked your if you had one of these transactional relationships just around tax time, like we talk about, ask for a meeting and see. Right. Um, but just, you know, don't do it April 13th. You know what I mean? Right. But right. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know the right time to ask and the right way to ask. But I think that you'll, you'd be surprised that at least the, most accountants and CPAs that I know really can provide some really interesting guidance, but a lot of times they won't do it unless you ask them for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Gotta ask. Mm-hmm. Shall we wrap this one up, Mike? Yeah. Listeners, thanks for joining us again. Uh, We hope that you found the last uh, 45 minutes interesting and thought-provoking. And if you have questions about what we talked about or comments, feedback, anything, feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. Hey, and if you like the podcast, tell your friends. If there's something that you'd like to see improved in the podcast, tell us. Hey, and if you have someone that you think should be on the show, reach out to us and let us know as well. So until next time, Signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Sounds great, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. Take care.